another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW show where we hit on all the latest news of the week. Of course, during an international break, things tend to focus on the off-the-field matters, and that's exactly where this show ended up. Uh, obviously, Bayern Munich trying to get healthy, and they're doing a great job of that, it looks like. For the first time in a long time, the boys might be back at full health almost. Uh, we did get some bad news about Eric Maxim Chupo Moting and his uh, recent positive test for COVID-19. So we'll see what happens with that. Otherwise, some of those longer term injuries are starting to heal up. Uh, the boys are getting healthy and Bayern Munich maybe, just maybe might be getting lucky with its injury situation. And hopefully they can be at or about 100% by the time the next Champions League round starts, it would be would be excellent because over the past couple of seasons, we've seen how injuries have just played uh, just an enormous role in determining how Bayern Munich ends up, especially in the Champions League, to be able to 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 play against PSG last season without Robert Lewandowski was such a downer. So hopefully Bayern gets some luck this season and the injuries. Uh, just cease at this point and the boys get healthy and everything is headed in the right direction. But we shall see about that. Of course, the injury gods, uh, you never want to tempt them. So I will formally knock on wood in saying that Bayern Munich is finally starting to get healthy. But during this break, we did get a chance to see Germany and we'll touch on some of Germany's uh, ins and outs a little bit later in this show. But I was I'll preface it by saying I was pretty happy with what I saw. I was not expecting Germany to come out and dominate uh, Israel and the Netherlands. I was just hoping for a strong showing. And I think we saw enough from the group that Hansi Flick had to know that Flick has this squad headed in the right direction. They're looking positive. They look like they have responded to him and they are playing with it with an amount of energy we haven't seen in quite some bit. I mean, I'm talking going back, what? 2016 maybe I mean that was the last time maybe we saw this kind of fight this kind of drive in Germany it just hasn't been there but under Flick things look different and that's really what you should want to see if you are a Germany fan so like I said we'll touch on that in a bit but as always we are going to start out with the five things we learned this week and the number one thing that we learned this week was wow uh, Serge Gnabry is a little bit unhappy with his spot on the squad at Bayern Munich and his old buddy David Alaba would not mind having Gnabry as a teammate once again at Real Madrid. So let's let's touch on Gnabry, right? So he's got a year left in his contract. His contract will expire 2023. This is really the make or break summer for Bayern Munich and Serge Gnabry. You can see so far that during their any talks that they've had, they've kind of broken down. Gnabry wants to be paid in that echelon, 15 million plus like Kingsley Coman and Leroy Sané. And rightfully so, Gnabry has been a great player for Bayern Munich. He's really proven himself. Uh, you'd be really hard pressed to find many other more dynamic scoring options at forward, really anywhere, especially in the Bundesliga. Gnabry is just that good. Is he inconsistent? Absolutely. It's, it's not as if Gnabry week in, week out, you know what you're going to get, but he is uh, mercurial in the fact that he can explode one week, maybe disappear the next. But with Gnabry, I think you look at the total picture and you look at him and you say, this is a player that you want in your team. You want him to be available 
you have him as a starting level player. And that's exactly what he is. He is a starting level player at most clubs. Now, can he be that at Bayern Munich? I don't know. And, and it's not because uh, of anything with him, but the change in formation has really pushed wingers like Leroy Sané and Kingsley Coman into more central attacking midfield roles. Of course, when you do that, they are competing not just with Serge Gnabry, but also with Thomas Muller, sometimes with Jamal Musiala. I mean, think about it. Between the three natural wings, Muller and Musiala, that is five. I mean, that's five really, really good starting caliber players for two spots of those attacking midfield roles. Now, I know we've seen Julian Nagelsmann use Gnabry and Coman as wingbacks at times. Uh, that's not a long-term solution. He might be able to get away with that for this season. But that's one of the, the thorns that has been in Gnabry's sign. He doesn't want to play wing back. He wants to play in a more central role. And if you're going to compare him to players like Thomas Muller or Leroy Sané, who have really excelled at those positions, Gnabry just hasn't been as good as they have this season. So from a squad planning perspective, you have to look at Gnabry and you have to say, all right, as of now, and, and really, if you want to throw Paul Vonner in the mix, because we know he'll be a part of the first team next season, you have six options right now for those attacking midfield spots. Can you keep six players happy? Can you keep Vonner happy? Absolutely. This is a, you know, he's a young kid. He's going to be learning on the job, so to speak. So any sub time or day Bay Pokal matches that he gets, I think that would be good enough to hold him over until he's either ready for a loan or he's ready to be an actual contributor to the team. So if you take, even if you take him out of the mix, that's still five. And it's, these are five very good players. Now, sure. People will look at Thomas Muller and say, well, Muller's on his last legs of his career. He might have two or three seasons left, but can you hold players like Coman or Gnabry or Musiala down for that long? I don't know. And right now, none of them are better than Muller. So if Muller has one position on lockdown in the starting lineup, and Sané has another, you're putting players like Jamal Musiala and Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry in a little bit of a bind when it comes to their own uh, career aspirations and their own career map. Uh, It's going to be difficult for Julian Nagelsmann to keep all of those players happy, barring some kind of crazy move like Kingsley Coman transitioning full-time to be a right wing back. (laughs) At this point, I would take that because I like Coman and I think that he would be good in that position. I doubt that's where he wants to play. So I think what we're looking at is an overload of those attacking midfield positions and not enough right wing backs and, and probably a lot of headaches for Julian Nagelsmann. Getting back to Gnabry, if, if I were him, I'd have to have a serious conversation with the manager. I'd have to really look at what I want to get out of this next stage at my career. Now at Bayern Munich, it seems like the one thing you could always count on our injuries, right? The, the Coman is very injury prone. Gnabry himself has has dealt with uh, injuries in and out. We've seen Leon Goretzka have some nagging injuries that never seem to go away fully, which would open up some playing time for Jamal Musiala and move him out of the attacking midfield rotation. So there are some possibilities for how this could work, but they really all revolve around bad things happening to the team. And do you want to live hoping or not hoping, but looking to react to bad things happening. And I don't think you do if you're a manager. I sure as hell don't think you want to live that way if you're a player. So what happens? I mean, you 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 honestly can't rely on players to look at things 
in a way and not see themselves as a starter. Like I am sure Gnabry, when he surveys the situation, there's no scenario in which he doesn't see himself as one of the starting 11. The reality of things are that he might be the fourth or fifth choice uh, among those, those players to play those attacking midfield roles. Now, this whole thing, this whole situation with all of these players could be alleviated if Gnabry or Coman decided to make a permanent switch to being a wing back. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but it does not appear to be something that either of those two players really want to do. I don't anticipate Muller being asked to do that at this stage of his career. I, I surely don't anticipate Musiala being asked to do that, although I think he would be sensational in that role as well. I mean, what, what spot would would Musiala not excel at? And we'll hit on him in a little bit, but that kid has so much talent and so much ability. It just seems like he you could slot him in anywhere and he will give you results. But with Gnabry, I think this is legitimate that Bayern Munich is really going to examine should they should they should they tap out on him this summer and sell him. He's got great value. You're probably looking at a player that could draw you anywhere from 50 million to 70 million because he's that good and that productive. Do you have a market for him? I absolutely think you would. Uh, Real Madrid, obviously, if Alaba has his way, would be in the mix. I think we've seen Gnabry linked to other clubs like Barcelona, Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool, among others. I mean, there's not going to be a shortage of suitors for Gnabry if he decides he wants to move on this summer. But by all indications, Gnabry wants to stick this out. But can he do it and remain healthy? not just remain healthy, but can he do it remain happy? Because I just can't see a way if Gnabry is not a regular that despite how much he wants to be in Munich and how he enjoys the team and how many friends he has on the team, I can't see him being happy. Uh, and, and with the way Thomas Muller has been playing, I can't see him really seeding his role as a starter anytime in the next season or two. It's he's been that good and he's that important to the team. So this is a really make or break time for Serge Gnabry and Bayern Munich. I won't be shocked either way here. If Bayern and Gnabry decide they need to part ways this summer, I think it could happen just logistically from everything. When you factor it all in, when you factor in who the players are on the roster that play those positions, how long their respective contracts are and how much money they make, I could absolutely see Bayern Munich saying this is the time to part ways with Serge Gnabry. could also see Gnabry saying there's just too much competition. I want to be paid what I think I should be paid, and I will go wherever I need to go to get that. So I could see both of those scenarios right there in terms of why it would be a smart move for the club and why it would be a smart move for Gnabry. I could also see the club having a sentimental attachment to Gnabry and vice versa. So how this all plays out will be extremely interesting. I don't know where I fully feel on this yet. I'm actually starting to lean toward, I think it's time to sell Gnabry. And it's not that I dislike him as a player because I really am a huge fan of his game. Despite his inconsistency, I think he just is productive. And I put a lot of value and a lot of emphasis on being a productive player. And in the end, when you look at Gnabry's stats over the course of a season, he is about as productive of a winger as you can get. The problem is Bayern Munich is using a system that no longer requires wings. So this is all something I've harped on for months, just this lack of being in sync between the coaching staff and the squad planners to continue to pack players onto the roster who are natural wings. 
and then really not have a position for them. I've just been puzzled at how we've gotten to this point. And I think, unfortunately for Gnabry, because it took so long for him to work out a deal and how things did not work with his negotiations, he's just fallen lower in the pecking order behind Sané, behind Coman, behind Musiala, obviously behind Muller. And it's working against him right now because from a negotiating standpoint, Byron has all the leverage. Byron has enough players for that position. They have a lot of players making money that is really putting them in a, in a zone where they're uncomfortable with their payroll. So adding another player who wants 15 million plus, I can't see how Bayern Munich's going to be able to do that right now. And with Gnabry's value being, like I said, between 50 and 70 million euro, I think that's something that's attractive to Bayern Munich. I think that if they can't work it out, they'll be happy in some respects, but I think, you know, if they do opt to, to pay Gnabry, I think they'll be okay with that as well, because he's just that good. And it sometimes you just have to pay a player regardless of what role they'll have. So it might not be the, the might not make the most sense from a financial standpoint, but uh, you know, this is something that if the club puts that much emphasis and has that much value on Gnabry, I could see them getting it done. It's just a crazy situation. You would think a player in his prime would be primed to re-sign with Bayern Munich, and you would think that Bayern Munich would just go all out to get him. But the way that this roster is composed, they're in a spot with Julian Nagelsmann in, running with this 3-4-2-1 formation. They don't necessarily need another player like Serge Gnabry at that price. So we'll all be paying close attention to that because Gnabry is a fan favorite. Although he does frustrate some people, he is, like I said, he's that good. He's that productive. And production means something. Production is everything. If you are a forward, you need to produce. And that's one thing that Gnabry has done throughout his career. Uh, one of the other interesting stories that came out require, uh, regarding Bayern Munich squad planning was Quarantan Toliso and just the crazy request that he wants $12 million per season. And that's really the stumbling block between him coming back to Bayern Munich and him moving on. The coaching staff wants Toliso to come back. The front office wants Toliso to come back. But Toliso wants a 4 million euro raise, at least this is alleged anyway, that he wants to be bumped from 8 million euro per season to 12 million euro per season, which if you're Toliso, I get it. You want to make as much as you can when you can. You've had an unlucky injury-prone career and you want to ensure that your next contract is not just going to set you up for life, but set your kids up for life and probably their kids up for life. So I get that from Toliso. Two with Toliso, if I'm looking at the roster, I'm looking at the dynamics. I'm seeing Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka with new contracts. I'm seeing Thomas Muller probably about to get another deal, most likely through 2025. I'm seeing a ton of players at those attacking midfield roles. Uh, I'm seeing Kimmich and Goretzka and Jamal Musiala as potential roadblocks in those central midfield roles, that double pivot there. So am I going to be happy with being the fourth choice for two starting spots in that double pivot? No. Do I think I'm going to be able to get much room as an attacking, uh, uh, get much time as an attacking midfielder? Probably not given all the bodies there. So if I'm Taliso, I absolutely want to move on. I don't think Taliso is going to get 12 million euro per season on the open market, but I think for him to suck it up, and to accept a bench role and, and really accept the fact that he would not be playing a lot, 
that he wanted 12 million euro per season. And that was the price he was willing to pay or willing to accept to not play a lot. And for him, if you are a player, and this is one thing that I would never fault a player on, you want to be on the field. You want to maximize this little speck of your lifetime where you're going to be working as a footballer. So I would want to be on the pitch too. If that meant leaving a great club like Bayern Munich, I would absolutely do that because in the end, you only get so many seasons for this career. And with Tolisso, he's already missed so much time. He's had major injuries. He's had nagging injuries. He's been so unlucky. I would want to be in a position where I'm an unquestioned regular as well. I would want to make a good salary and I'd want to enjoy this time of my life. And I think that's where he's leaning toward. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of players, when they're at clubs like Bayern Munich or Manchester City or Liverpool, they have to weigh how much do you put on winning trophies versus actually playing in your career? Because I don't think Tolisso would have a role at Bayern Munich moving forward. He would be a deep bench player. And for as much as we see injuries affecting those midfielders, I just think there's be- there are better options for Tolisso out there and he should take them. He should move on, get paid and, and play out the next few seasons uh, and enjoy it because he's, he's been robbed of quite a few seasons already in his career due to injuries. And it's a shame because he's a super talented player. He's very dynamic and explosive when his knee feels good, which I still question day to day, like how he feels. I do think there's been lingering effects from that ACL and he's never really gotten all the way back uh, consistently. There are flashes for sure. When we see how his first step is just incredibly great. And then other days he just looks like he's running in quicksand. So I, I have nothing but good things to say about Taliso. He's been a grinder. He's done some great things at Bayern Munich. He's just been exceedingly unlucky and he's dealt with more things than most players ever should have to. So at 12 million per season, Bayern should pass on that and let him walk away, even though it's tough again to lose a player like him for free. Another thing that we learned this week is that Bayern Munich has prioritized Ajax is Nusar Masrali <sighs> over getting a center back this summer. And I get that 100% as well because uh, Masrali is uh, obviously in this formation how he would fit. He would be the right wing back. And right now there is no starter on this current roster for that position. And there is no starter for next season at that position. So to make Julian Nagelsmann's formation work, he needs wing backs. And if you need to go out and get one just to have one capable player there, I think you have to do that. Uh, I'm not as concerned about the center back position. And I've stated a million times, it sucks to lose Nicholas Sula. I'm still bitter about it. I don't think it should have happened. I hate how everything was handled with that. And, you know, I don't think you can replace his quality. So we'll get that out of the way. But while you can't replace his quality, you do have a collective effort there along the back line that hopefully would be able to cover for him and be an adequate replacement. And when you look at the talent level of Luca Hernandez, when you look at Dio Upamakano, and when you look at Benjamin Pavar, the three players that would seemingly be the back line, those three center back positions for next season, I think you're, you have to feel pretty comfortable based on how those players have performed. I think that Hernandez has been very good. Makano has struggled, but there is potential there. And there is a reason to think that he can recover and get better. I think Benjamin Pavar has been good at his appearances as a center back. And I think as he gets more comfortable, he'll be better. Is Are any of the three as good as Sula? You could probably argue that Hernandez is, but I still would take Sula over him. Uh, so I don't think you're, like I said, I don't think you're replacing that quality, but at the same time, 
when your options to go replace him were Andreas Christensen, who's going to sign with Barca, it looks like, Matthias Delight, who is, or Delict, who would uh, cost just so much money that you can't afford him. Uh, Gleison Bremer, who is another one who uh, would cost too much money. There weren't great options. There weren't players out there that Byron wanted to pay for. Antonio Rudiger being another one. It looks like he just commanded too much money, and he's now in talks with Barcelona as well. Getting a center back this summer was never going to be easy. So I get Byron's reluctance to go out and do that. There will be a drop but hopefully not a huge one. And hopefully the rest of the team can compensate for that. But getting back to Mizrahi, I think that you absolutely have to go out and get someone. Is he the right person? Is he going to be able to respond to those bright lights in Munich? I don't know. I don't necessarily have a great feeling about any of the right wing back candidates that, that have been mentioned because to an extent, they're all a little bit unproven on such a big stage. I think Mizrahi probably has the best, you know, resume for any of them, but he's not a sure thing either. It's not like you're going out and you're getting, uh, you know, Philip Lahm in his prime. Like there's, there's no easy way to fill that role at the, the price restrictions that you have at Bayern Munich and to fill it in a way where you're, you're going to find the requisite talent to fit in with the rest of the talent on the roster. So this is going to be extremely interesting for Bayern Munich, I'm not exactly sure that Mezrali is is going to select Bayern Munich. He's also in close negotiations with Barcelona. And while Bayern Munich might be playing him more, as we've seen with uh, many other players, Barca is just a destination club for a lot of them. And I think Barca probably has some room financially to improve their own offer. And if they do, it might be enough to convince Mezrali to make that move And if that happens, then Bayern will go back to the drawing board once again and have to look at that position. I don't see any internal candidates, like I said, unless Kingsley Coman or Serge Gnabry wanted to commit there. As much as I like Josip Stanisic, I think in a 3-4-2-1 formation, he projects more as uh, one of those center backs on the outside of the back line. Uh, He's, you know, actually a very versatile player. He can play on both the right or left side. So, he would fit in well there, uh, no doubt. He might not have the exact profile that Bayern Munich looks for in a center back, but I think as a versatile kind of jack-of-all-trades, Swiss Army knife kind of player, you could do a lot worse than Josip Stanisic. I also feel like Stanisic could play as part of that double pivot as well. So while he could fill in at right wing back or left wing back, I don't necessarily think that's where he's going to play for Julian Nagelsmann. So where this all goes, we're going to see. I'm hesitant to throw my support behind Masrali at this point because I just don't think I, – I can't see him passing up the opportunity to go to FC Barcelona. I just think that's where he's going to end up. If that shakes Sergio Dest loose, then I think Bayern Munich might make a play for him as well. But I'm also not convinced on Dest. I'm really just kind of unsure about how Bayern Munich's going to make all this work uh, and fill this roster out with a good quality player. And uh, it's not that there aren't options out there, but are they the right options? And and we don't know that at this point. And I think that's going to be really a point of contention moving forward. It's going to create a lot of stories over the course of the summer. And hopefully Julian Nagelsmann and Brazo can get together and find the best candidate to fill that spot. I'm just not so, I'm just not so sure that, that candidate is attainable for the price points that Bayern Munich has. Uh, 
the fourth thing that, that I learned this week, and, and I've probably learned this a while ago, but it's really starting to hit me now is that Jamal Musiala's star is exploding. This kid is phenomenal. And it's not just that his performance on the pitch, it's not just his skill set. It's the fact you can drop him in anywhere on the field and he gives you such a great effort. As we saw with Germany this week, he was able to slide in that into that deeper role and just play so well. He makes so many things happen. And he's just a threat every time he's on the ball. He's got great vision, good passing. He's got good scoring ability. The kid's not even grown into his body yet. He's still physically not that strong. But, you know, as we've talked about many times here, he's not the kind of player you want to see bulk up either because what makes him so effective is that wiry frame and how he's able to have those quick bursts and those sudden movements and how he's able to cut on a dime. You don't want to have him lose any of that by trying to bulk up. And, you know, I'm loving everything I see out of this kid. I think he's a bonafide star for the future, not just for Germany, but for Bayern Munich. And I always just keep coming back to how long can you keep this kid on the bench? Whether you're talking about club or country, he keeps proving time after time that he deserves more playing time. Every time he's out on the pitch, he does something impactful. And he's got this knack for just impacting games in ways that, that some other players can only dream of, whether it's scoring or with a great pass or just causing enough chaos and disruption to draw attention from the opposition where he would free up other players. That's what he brings. And that's why he's so important going forward. I mean, we've had this discussion at BFW many times about how, you know, Byron is really just biding time until Muller retires for Musiala to take over. And, and part of the way to get him more playing time was to drop him into a deeper role and give him another position where he can contribute. And maybe that's part of the plan here for Brazo and Julian Nagelsmann where, and even Hansi Flick to be able to have this kid be so versatile that you can drop him in anywhere and he'll be able to get some minutes because I just think he's too good to be sitting on the bench and he's just in a spot with Bayern Munich and Germany alike where there are more established, good veterans in front of him. And while Musiala is that good, he might not quite be at that experience level yet of those other players. But all that said, when you put him in on the pitch with those players, you don't miss a step. He's so good like that. And he just melds in every situation so smoothly uh, you can't say enough good things about him. This is a kid that Bayern Munich fans should be ecstatic about. They should be really looking forward to see how he develops. I just hope the kid can stay satisfied with the amount of playing time that he's been getting because it would be a shame to see him get frustrated and start to push for more time in a spot where he, I don't know where it would come from. So, uh, you know, it, it, part of me wonders if Bayern Munich regrets inking Leon Goretzka to that deal because now Musiala looks like he might be ready to fill in a starting role. And listen, I have been on the Goretzka train from the beginning. I was a big fan of him at Schalke. I was going back to the 2017 Confederations Cup. When you look at that and how good he was there, I always felt he was the perfect kind of player for Bayern Munich. I think after like that first season and a half or so where he was kind of just scuffling, trying to find his way on the roster, I think he has been a rock uh since that point and i think he's fit in perfectly at byron and i think he's a cornerstone foundational player but damn byron munich has some talent that they can use in the central midfield so we'll see what happens but musiala has been excellent i think that's a, a great reason for byron munich fans to be excited and finally the last thing i learned this week 
while I love the job that Hansi Flick is doing, and I think he's just been fantastic, he's got a right back problem. Uh, to use a 4-2-3-1 like he wants to, he needs a good right back. And right now, Tilo Carrer is not the player that should be starting there. And I think that he is weakness. I think he has not had enough game time with PSG. I think it has shown in every appearance for Germany where he just is not that good. And whether it's just that he's rusty or whether that the talent level supersedes him that's on the field, I, I don't know. But I don't feel very comfortable at that position. And look, there could be a lot worse things than your worst position being a right back right now. I think Germany is setting itself up to really be a competitor um, for the World Cup. I think they've made great strides under Flick and they have just had such good energy under him that you have to like the way that they are progressing. But at right back, it's it's tough. They they are really they're missing the piece, the puzzle right there. Uh, but who would you put in if you were to take Carrer out? So I've got some ideas on that. So the first one is well, let's talk about Jamal Musiala and not using him as a right back, although he probably could play that. What about starting Musiala and Goretzka as your double pivot and bumping Yashua Kimmich out to right back? I think that probably gives you your best possible starting 11. And when it comes to the World Cup, I want to put that best 11 on the pitch. So if Kimmich would agree to it, and there's nothing to think that he would not, if he can see the value in making that move, and if if the team can buy into using Kimmich that way would allow Germany to have a better chance to win a World Cup, I don't see any reason not to at least explore that. Another option could be, and this is a, another one that's you know, kind of outside the box, but kind of not if you've seen it before, is bumping Nicholas Sula out there and then pushing in another center back to play alongside Antonio Rudiger. Sula could obviously play as a right back. He's a very unique right back because of his size, but he can play out there and he's very good out there. And for a short-term kind of tournament like the, like the World Cup, I could see that being an effective solution. But who do you put in next to Rudiger? I think Rudiger's got one spot on lockdown. Ugh, the options are not great. So you could look at Matthias Ginter, who if you're not asking him to do a lot, if you're asking him to play conservative and to not have to push up into the offense and just be a stay-at-home defender, you might be able to excel there. You could look at Nico Schlotterbeck, who has a ton of talent, who's still a little bit young and who I think got a little bit exposed against the Netherlands and the fact that they kept pushing to go after him and kept challenging him. And I think while he did fairly well, he definitely showed some parts to his game that could be exposed in a short-term tournament like the World Cup. So I think Schlotterbeck is the future at center back for Germany. He might even be the future at center back for Bayern Munich at some point. But I don't know if he's ready to take a starting role yet. You could also look at Mats Hummels, although it's very doubtful right now as to whether Mats Hummels will even make the World Cup team. So it's just very tough to think about who you would fill in there. Another name is Jonathan Ta, but I, I don't think he's very good at all. So I, I wouldn't feel very comfortable with that. The only other options that I could think of were more of the players we had seen there in the past. You have Lucas Klosterman, who can do well defensively, but has been so banged up and so injured over the past couple of seasons. I'm not sure that he's going to be ready, even by the time the World Cup starts, to, to be able to be the kind of player you want as a starter there. 
you also have Jonas Hoffman, who for Gladbach has been uh, more of a central midfielder, but is also a player that Hansi Flick thinks can play out uh, as a right back. And I think Hoffman's appearances for Germany as a right back have kind of been up and down. I think he's shown some promise there and some ability, um, and he might end up being the best possible option. But I don't know if Flick is quite that comfortable in making that leap right now. Hoffman, of course, has been injured. So he's another player that really probably needed this break to to establish himself and show what he could do with that position, but unfortunately did not get a chance to. So Germany's right back spot is open, and it's going to be fascinating to see what, what Flick does. At this point, I'm leaning toward the Kimmich option. And as much as I like Kimmich as a central midfielder, I do feel though, as though you could get your best possible 11 on the field by using him as a right back. And I know it sounds scary to some about using Leon Goretzka and Jamal Musiala as your double pivot. In fact, it could be really scary if both players decide to abandon the position, which could happen considering how much both players like to get up into the box and contribute offensively. But Hansi Flick is going not to put a stinking cap on, but if we know anything about Hansi Flick, it's that he is a problem solver. He presents solutions to problems. And if, if Germany fans need to have faith in something, have faith in that because Flick has not given anyone a reason to doubt him. Anytime he's been tasked with turning something around or finding a solution or fixing an issue, he's been able to do that. So, Hey, if you're a Germany fan, you should be optimistic. Your team is looking good. They are, I think headed in the right direction and they've got that, that good mix of veterans and young players that you want. You don't want a team that's too veteran laden. You don't want a team that's too young. And Flick has in this short amount of time that he's been the boss really put together a group that is a mix of that. And that is going to be able to contribute and to be able to keep other teams off balance, because I don't think that this Germany team is going to be about one overwhelming player like a Lewandowski, a Messi, or a Ronaldo. I think it's going to, going to be about the collective there. I think that this Germany team might not be as good as, say, France or England right now, but I think they're inching close to that level that they can compete maybe on any given day, beat them, which is something I didn't think was possible you know, roughly a year or a year and a half ago. So I'm pleased with the progress and looking forward to the future under Hansi Flick. That will about wrap it up for this show. I'm in in the uh, streaming and TV watching kind of void right now. Uh, Still haven't really dived into uh, or dove into anything new yet. So when I do, I'll I'll hit you with with some feedback on that. But uh, as of right now, I'm just Uh, living my life and running around day to day like crazy. So uh, hopefully some streaming or some new show attracts me enough uh, to, to dive into it. And uh, like I said before, we've got a couple of good ones coming up with their seasons and I will certainly be into those better call Saul being chief among them. So thanks again for listening. You can always get me at the barrel blog. You can get our site at Bavarian FB works. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. You can get Tom at Tommy Adams 71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. And you can get Samarin and Schnitzel on our site. They don't do Twitter, so shame on them. Thanks again for listening. Have a couple of beers this weekend. I plan on doing that in between the million things I have to do. And uh, enjoy it. Enjoy the game. It'll be good to see Bayern Munich back in action. We will see you next time.